Hi, and welcome to Jackie Winter Gives You the Business. I'm Jeremy Wartzman. I'm Bianca Bremen. And I'm Lara Chan Baker. Jackie Winter Gives You the Business is a weekly podcast from the Jackie Winter Group, which is a creative production and representation studio based in Melbourne and New York City. What originally started as a business conference for artists and fellow creatives is now being turned around to shine a light on our clients. From art buyers and creative teams to fellow producers and managers, this podcast is all about offering a glimpse into the work we do as the bridge between clients and creatives. It's an ongoing exploration of how to wrangle the creative process to achieve excellence no matter what the medium. This week, we are changing things up a bit and starting to do something a bit different, where we're going to introduce you to the rest of the Jackie Winter production team to talk about their own journeys in the wild and wonderful world of creative artists and project management, including their key takeaways and lessons learned so far. But first, let's check in with our team here, Bianca in New York. How are you? I am cat sitting, but I have a dilemma. What's the dilemma? Uh, Well... I mean, I, I've talked to you about it before, Jeremy, but I recently found out that for the first time in my life, I need to get glasses. And coincidentally, this is also the first time in my life that I've ever thought about wearing glasses, let alone what I look like in them. And I just don't know what to choose. Like, how do you choose a pair of glasses? Well, this is where the whole AR revolution comes like comes by because like this is I, a lot of glasses companies I think are taking advantage of this new tech to do kind of all this virtual try on stuff. I saw something the other day. I will send you the link. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I've been doing the I've been doing the Warby Warby Parker at home try on, and it's not it's not working. Maybe we can open up to the listeners. They can choose me a pair of glasses. I'm going to crowdsource. Laura, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm tired. I just got back from beautiful Bright in out of Victoria um, because I was stupid enough to do a, a Spartan race. Yeah, I, it it literally looks like you were abused and beaten badly by somebody. What is? What, can you tell us just a bit more what the Spartan race actually is? Um, it's something that crazy people do. Apparently, um, it's an obstacle course race, and it was horrible. It was the worst thing I've ever done. Although I feel really, really good now that I've done it. Now that it's over. Um, but yeah, I'm really battered and my legs don't work anymore. But it was great. I got a medal. I got a big shiny medal and, and I did it. Yeah, you got like a partial medal too. Like a medal that's made, like, like, like it's divided. Like it's, there's one piece and you have to get two more pieces. And they yeah, mag- you have to do the other two races to get the other pieces of the medal. <laughs> so it's a cult. It's, it's, no, it's not a cult. It's a, it's a fitness... It's a fitness... Uh, fitness cult. The fitness cult. <laughs> um, speaking of obstacle courses, um, we will dip into our professional development Slack to talk about some of the links that have been doing the rounds here. Um, starting off, I think this is definitely one of my favorite pieces from this week. So, like... It, Basically, Snapchat has launched this kind of artwork feature with Jeff Koons where basically you go to different kind of um, places and you could see um, Jeff Koons sculptures kind of in augmented reality. And then basically um, as a response and, – and I think there's a bit of debate over like Snapchat – the kind of like, you know, fake kind of leaking this, basically. Um, I don't know whether that's a still a valid PR strategy. But yeah, there was a, um, then another artist that kind of virtually vandalized the piece. Um, and it had a great write-up in It's Nice That About That. Bianca, as our resident person who really likes art and also lives in New York where this was launched, um, did you have any thoughts or takeaways on this? Well, I think it was interesting the, the uh, kind of why the artist chose to vandalize it. And it, it kind of brings up a, a interesting ethical point about where we're going with augmented reality. And um, 
I guess, advertiser's place in that and the fine line between it. I was kind of looking in into his Instagram and I guess his kind of reasoning why he did it, his artist statement, was really to question should corporations be allowed to place whatever content they choose over our digital public space? You know, Central Park belongs to the people, belongs to the city of New York and he's kind of just, uh, you know, we're at sort of at the start of... of uh, advertisers or artists or whoever being able to kind of like push this stuff into our reality. Look, it's it's an interesting exercise both from Snapchat's perspective in terms of, I guess, launching this initiative and using the tech in an interesting way as well as kind of how it's being kind of responded to it using the technology as well. So yeah, we'll post a link to that piece. Um, next up is a bit more of a local um, event for those of you in Australia, specifically in Sydney, um, an event called Rare. Um, Lara, can you tell us a bit more about this and you know why we decided to put it in this week? Yeah, so Rare is um, something that was was thought up by two uh, brilliant Australian women here. So um, two of Australia's leading creative directors, Stephanie, uh, I'm going to totally butcher her name, Vincenzo from Clemenger and um, Tara McKenty from Google. Um, so they sort of drew from their own personal experience being um, – uh, minorities and creative departments in Australia and and across the globe and and they sort of recognise the need for someone to take a stand and and provide um, a space for people from various uh, races and cultures and religions and genders and you know all sorts of things um, to upskill and to empower themselves in the creative space. So they've started this. Um, I guess it's is it a conference of workshop type thing called Rare um, happening in Sydney and um, basically there are 80 tickets and you can apply and they're going to select people based on I guess you know whether they deserve to be there. <laughs> yeah look I mean apart from I guess the the Solstice Enterprise behind it it's a really great new way to go about I guess disseminating information that's a bit different from your normal kind of conference setting um, I mean yeah I would definitely encourage everyone to kind of check out the site I don't think it matters kind of where you are even if you can't physically attend I don't know if there'll be um, if any of the content will be kind of um, going outside of the actual events but there's some amazing people behind it um, you know from you know YouTube and Google and all of these great local agencies from um, the BBDO, um, Dentsu, 72 and Sunny, Saatchi. So, yeah, it's a real fantastic initiative. Laura, is there anything else that you want to say about that? Yeah, I think it's just also nice to note that all the proceeds from Rare are being put towards grants and initiatives that, um, yeah, sort of further deliver on their objectives to, to boost diversity in the creative industries. Absolutely. And look, that's being hosted pretty soon, November 20th to 24th. Next up was an article that was posted from Ubianca on Medium. And this one I thought was really good, kind of especially going on from some of our um, or kind of link mega overview where we were kind of talking about a few different um, a few different terminologies to manage kind of product projects. And I think, you know, one thing we've spoken about is really kind of how to you know, how traditional advertising and creative producers can potentially learn from people who are in the more kind of digital world um, and where different terminologies and different systems are used, and one of them specifically being agile. And I really like this piece, which is titled, What is an Agile Workflow? And basically just kind of going into... I loved this. Yeah. I mean, B, tell us a bit more about it. Well, I just loved it because, I mean, I don't know if you've ever sat on the other end of a meeting or a phone call and someone's kind of like started to rattle off sayings like Agile, Waterfall, Kanban, two-week sprints and wondered like what the hell they were talking about. And this article is for you. It's like it just breaks it down in layman's terms. There's some TLDR, too long didn't read kind of um, 
definitions of what Agile is, what Kanban is. And yeah, it's a really nice kind of very easy, quick overview into what these project management um, workflows, I guess that's what you call them, a, a project management system. With lots and lots of memes as well. Yeah, it's just a really nice quick overview, which kind of like it can you can dip your toe in and get an understanding of what it is pretty quickly. And moving on from uh, project management, something that we spoke about uh, last week again in our, or sorry, two weeks ago now in our link roundup was um, kind of new systems for managing projects. And Dropbox Papers, one that I really have my eye on closely, we're using it now um, kind of to prototype some internal projects that we're working on. And kind of while we were doing this, Dropbox kind of evolved their whole brand in a pretty major way that got a lot of attention um, in terms of what they were doing with illustration, typography, um, color schemes, and really just kind of putting a major focus on um, on creative as well. Um, visually, one thing that I'm really interested in how they have kind of merged to um, you know photography and illustration together, like in creating these kind of hero images for the campaign. But yeah, Dropbox is doing some really interesting things in the creative um, in, in the creative space, and specifically focusing on kind of project management. I think in some ways, um, it's already part of a lot of people's workflow. So yeah, check it over at Dropbox.design, and um, if you haven't already, but yeah, it's a really good one. Um, that's all for the links this week. Um, and also a reminder for those of you in Melbourne who are hearing this in the morning that it um, that this episode drops on the 20th, that we are running our first open tabs uh, workshop in the public at the M Pavilion. So check out our Instagram at Jackie Winter uh, for more details on that to get these links in your inbox and know when our episode is dropped every week. Make sure to sign up to our newsletter at tinyletter.com slash Jackie Winter. So it's been four months since we started the podcast, and we're finally finding our rhythm and really appreciate all the feedback that's come through as well. Um, we're really happy about some of the issues and topics that we've covered and really looking forward to kind of continuing that. However, this week marks a bit of a change of tack for us as we start to move closer to our kind of original mission, which is to give voice to the producers and managers behind the scenes on the kind of client side of things to really start to get some deeper insight into the indispensable role that these people bring um, in bringing projects to life. Um, you know, it's a it's a type of role that I think people kind of hmm, don't, you, you can't really kind of train for it. There's no kind of formal training to be a producer or creative project manager. So, you know, we really wanted to, I guess, you know, hero these individuals who do this and, and kind of tell their stories. Um, while we're absolutely will continue on with our longer form explorations into process and current trends and industry issues, we're really looking forward to this new approach, which we'll see some more regular interviews with producers and creative project managers from all industries and geographies and hope that our first 15 episodes can put these into some greater context. So that said, we do really, really need your help. So now that we've been out there for a while, we know there's a lot of you listening. Um, if you're listening to this right now and think, hey, I know an amazing producer or person who's kind of under the radar doing ridiculously good things inside and outside the agency, please dob them into us so we can reach out and talk to them and help share the story with the world, even if it's you and you think you have something to say. We really, really want to hear from you. So, And similarly, if you can think of a more general topic that you would like us to cover that we haven't already, and trust us, we still have many, many in our queue that we will get to, please do not be shy. 
email us. We love email. You can reach us at podcast at JackieWinter.com. Again, that's podcast at JackieWinter.com. That's Jackie with a Y and winter like the season. Uh, so to that end, we thought we'd just segue into this new approach by introducing some more members of the Jackie Winter production family. Um, so obviously, I think you're probably familiar with myself and Bianca in New York and Laura here. There's many other amazing people who are working behind the scenes here. So we thought we'd bring them on to share their own personal stories and knowledge and things that they do inside and outside of their roles here. So, yeah, we're going to get started with that. Um, so first up, we have Jess Harris. Jess is one of the newest members to the Jackie Winter team. Hello, Jess. Oh, good morning, guys. I am thrilled to be here. How are you? We are doing so, so good. And, yeah, we're so thrilled to have you in our in our, our tiny black room here. Which is wonderful and cozy. It is very cozy. Look, let's just get us started. Tell us a bit more on um, what you were doing you know, before this and how it kind of led to production. Okay, so I did a degree at university in journalism and advertising. Um, and during that, um, there's a lot of research involved in doing journalism and writing and sourcing stories. Um, and I started to develop like a keener interest in what it's like to make money in these industries and how difficult it can be when you're a creative person uh, to wrangle the business side of things. So um, I got straight into publishing in London um, after finishing my degree, and that really helped helped like uh, further kind of foster these these feelings of you know wanting to be able to help people so I worked in commercial magazines um, and then again here in Melbourne working more at a uh, Frankie magazine um, and that that was when I knew that like that was where my skill set lay um, and when I knew that Jackie Winter was looking for someone I felt that I had the right kind of you know, the right kind of experience from working in publishing um, on things like events and marketing, uh, which really complemented like my skills in negotiation and just generally getting getting the business side of thing done for artists. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because everyone here does come from such diverse working backgrounds. Um, and I'd be interested to know whether there's something in particular that you sort of learnt from a, uh, a client or previous job that you still carry with you today as, as a sort of lesson in production? Oh, definitely. I mean, there are tons and I've had loads of, you know, uh, <laughs> learning curves in the past. <laughs> Haven't we all? Yeah, exactly. But I think one of the things that I've always carried with me, I guess, you know, your first, one of your first jobs is one of the ones that probably leaves the biggest impression and that was at Monocle magazine in London um, and they take uh, a lot of cues from Japanese uh, kind of uh, like lifestyle and ethics um, and I think things like attention to detail um, being like just so polite and being patient and having a bit of a game face and not kind of letting your guard down and um, you know uh, yeah I think I think those sort of things have like always stuck with me. Yes, I, I kind of I, I I noticed that when you first started, like you have this you have this tray on your desk as well that I that I really love. It's like a really nice feature. Did you did you bring that with you? Um, actually, yes. So that is the same tray that they use uh, in Midori House in London, and I can't leave it now. I u also use the same water carafe. Um, yeah, I think Tyler like would not be impressed with the chairs that we use here, but otherwise, I think he'd like it. But there are I some do, I want to very defend, strict we're, rules. We're using Herman Miller chairs here. I yeah. Think, oh know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's kind of so funny. That's kind of something I was going to bring up, you know, later as well. Like the reason I find that this kind of question interesting is like there are so many things that are kind of baked into 
how we act as professionals that we learn from kind of such an early stage. Um, and I was kind of talking to Bianca about this the other day, how, um, uh, you know, at Point Five Design, where Bianca um, is stationed at the moment, um, Alyssa, who um, who owns and runs Point Five, answers the phone in a very specific way. And I kind of, I, I answer the phone the exact same way. And I, I picked that up when I started there when I was 15. And it's many, many years later. And I still answer the phone. This is Jeremy. Exactly. And I, I remember hearing it from Alyssa, like when I was really coming, I was like, this sounds really oddly formal, but like, it's great. I cannot imagine answering the phone any other way. <laughs> and so it's, it's I, I love the fact, I didn't even know that, that about that tray, but like, mm-hmm. you know, hearing, hearing that other stuff is interesting. Very yeah, cool. Exactly. You know, one thing I think we will kind of start to see is that we all come from such very different backgrounds and, you know, and kind of come into, come at production from, from so many different ways. And I think that what, there's some things that you kind of learn on the job, but then there's also a big part where I guess you need to you're kind of bringing in aspects outside your life and other kind of interests and other kind of habits. Um, are there things that you specifically do outside of work? Um, not that you do f- to, to make you better, that you, but that you find kind of have a bit of a knock-on effect um, that make you better at your job or make you a better producer? I think, yeah, I think definitely. I do think that there are like some inherent things that um, producers probably like have in common that they have had from a very young age. Like I think I was told that I was like bossy when I was younger, which <laughs> I still to this day do not. I don't think that I was in but, control. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really great way of saying it. Yes, exactly. I think I was probably, you know, I just I just like to have my like eyes dotted and my T's crossed and I think um, you know the way I approach like my love life my my parenting of um, my my dog I think I like, love I, that you call it parenting yes <laughs> it is, it is. yeah um, you know I approach it in a really methodical way which is like strikingly similar to the way I approach my job um, and I think that my partner would have some really uh, funny things to tell you about the, <laughs> th- that, those mythologies but we'll leave that for another episode um we should but, do an episode uh, with the partners. That would yeah, be terrifying Yeah, I think that really terrifying would show and it. Fun. Um, but yeah, I also just, um, I, you know, I really enjoy like going to art galleries, making more friends in the creative community and then like talking to them about kind of what inspires them. And then, you know, like I, I do really, really just like helping people and I, yeah, I, I do really just like seeing people achieve what they want to achieve. Um, I think you're like, right that that carries across to a lot of producers. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I have this like knack for writing cover letters for my friends' resumes. And I don't think, I think I have a 100% success rate on getting an interview. I have written, so, I, you know what? That is 100% true. I've done the we, exact same thing. Yeah. Yes, having an, having an amazing illustrated portrait, I think, also kind of really helps. <laughs> that also really helps. Actually, we should talk about Laura's illustrated self-portrait at, oh. at, at some point. We'll come back to that. Jess, thank you very much. And, yeah, as one of our newest producers, um, a lot of your projects are just starting to kind of, you know, be realized now. One of um, the most recent ones that I'm really excited about is um, the project you did recently with Maricor Maricar, which you can see around the streets in Sydney at Barangaroo, um, also on our Instagram page as well. But, Jess, thank you very much for popping in. You are so welcome, guys. I will see you later. Catch you later. Bye. Next up, um, we are welcoming to our little room Micah Parrow. Micah is has a very interesting journey to Jackie Winter, where she kind of made the leap from um, work experience and internship over to um, being a full fledged producer and agent. Welcome to our studio, Micah. So good to be here, Micah. You and I studied the same course at uni, didn't we? We did indeed. We did just a little bit of time apart. So, um, I mean, I know what the course was like. 
but it would be great to hear a bit more about, you know, yeah, how you jumped from there to here and, um, and why that course led to production for you. Well, the course itself, I don't think so much led to production. Um, RMIT's advertising is pretty creatively focused. They kind of push you towards art direction or copywriting, none of which I felt really fit that well. Um, but you guys came in a couple of times during my course and did a couple of talks and told us what mm, you did. We moulded your mind. Moulded my mind, mm. um, bribed me with cool books and whatnot. Mm, we do that. Yeah. And then pitch night when I met you guys was kind of the turning point where I was like, yep, production is my thing, I think. And these guys seem pretty cool. What do you think about it now? Um, I still think it's my thing. <laughs> and you guys still seem pretty cool. <laughs> That's good. It's all a facade. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's so interesting because, I mean, everyone here kind of like had, well, especially like, you know, Jess, like, you know, came from a different side of advertising. She, so she was kind of selling ads to other people when she was working at Frankie. And I guess going when you're going to RMIT advertising, you're studying to actually be a creative. Um, and through their event pitch night, um, which we've been going to for the last kind of four years, where kind of graduates from this course kind of um, you know, go out and meet the world. That's where we originally met Lara. Is that is that right? That yes, is correct. We did. And I mean, th- we've had two RMIT pitch night success stories. Indeed. And I mean, yeah, this is kind of another reason why I just kind of love always kind of saying yes to things and sponsoring these kind of events and, and things like that. But yeah, I'm kind of. I mean, it, it is interesting how you came to that, Micah. I mean, you've been you've been through a lot here. You've worked on so many different projects, especially a lot of kind of the live illustration that we were talking about. Um, a few weeks ago as well. Um, there, I'm sure there were big learning curves for you, as there are kind of for everyone. Um, can you maybe talk about, without mentioning specific names or people, <laughs> you know, what were some of your p- biggest production kind of disasters slash mistakes, and what did you learn from it? Um, I think definitely the harder ones and where the mistakes have popped up have been those live jobs, where there are a lot of logistics and different roles and responsibilities, where early on I kind of let things run a little bit too free, I think, and it wasn't super clear to everyone what had to be done by who, when it had it's to be done. It's hard to know how tightly to yeah. you know, hold the reins. Yeah. I think that's where they've kind of spun out a little bit when roles and responsibilities weren't specifically set out, I think, in enough detail that things people thought, oh, that wasn't my job with someone else's, and then it's all kind of... How has that changed how you now will run a project? Um, now I think, well, firstly, more forward planning at the very start, figuring out kind of who is doing what and when it has to be done so you don't run into those at the end. And then if things are, I guess I do still pop up every now and then, little disasters. But because I've kind of gone through a couple of them now, they're a little bit easier to problem solve. Yeah, totally. Oh, I get that. Um, and, you know, something we're really interested in chatting to everybody about is, um, uh, you know, as Jeremy was saying before, you know, producers, well, everyone, you know, multifaceted people, and there are lots of things outside of our work and, and, and specific professional development that contribute to who we are as producers. And so it's interesting to know, um, is there anything that you do outside of work that you feel makes you a better producer? Um, in the last six months or so, I've become a bit of a Pilates head. And for me, that's a real calming thing, whether that's before work or after work, really clears the mind. Um, and then professionally, I guess just things we do kind of as a part of work as well, like Jackie went to book club, reading up and studying different things. And also just like watching you guys work every day, really. 
We're pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I think you know a, a real kind of constant theme that we have here is like extracurriculars, really kind of getting into your body because it's such a cerebral experience. This role sometimes, um, so yeah, really trying to you know, to undertake activities that do that. Um, but yeah, also going back to I think yeah, one of the biggest things that I learned from that experience of working with you on those live jobs is how important kind of you know call sheets have been as well. And that's kind of again a, a big thing with that I kind of love about production is really kind of cribbing from other industries and other, um, you know, and other and other professions, just like we were talking about before, like you can still implement things like Agile, which is a digital workflow into a more kind of physical um, production workflow. Um, and just like, you know, call sheets were typically more about kind of, I guess, photography and live action. That's a great kind of system and, you know, method that exists there that you can kind of bring in um, to live projects as well. So, yeah, those are kind of opportunities where, yeah, we ha- like our business has kind of grown from, you know, some of those mistakes at the time, I guess, or inefficiencies. Mike has worked on a lot of, yeah, fantastic live illustration projects for us, especially um, coming up on things that we're doing for um, the races and um, other kind of shopping center activations. So keep a lookout on that on our Instagram. But otherwise, thank you for popping in, Micah. Look forward to seeing you later today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Next up into our small, tiny black padded room is Clara Marcus. Clara, our resident English person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the agency Northern English like I think when you came on board was just when I kind of finished watching the first season of Happy Valley and you happen to be in, and, and all my whole kind of I mean my whole understanding of the north of England is murder and tea lots and lots of tea is that kind of is that accurate at all that's pretty much what it's like murder and tea yeah excellent <laughs> so can you give us a bit of a background of what you were doing kind of before this and how you ended up in production Sure. So um, I studied graphic design at uni. Um, I actually did a sort of split course. So I worked with um, a lot of illustrators and shared a studio with them. And pretty soon after I left uni, I realized I did not want to work in graphic design. I did a couple of internships. Which why, I found, why not? Oh, I just found it so dry, like sitting there and just typesetting really dull <laughs> stuff. And I was kind of doing some interesting internships at interesting publications but even the designers there seemed pretty bored. Um, so then I actually got a job at a um, drawing charity called the Campaign for Drawing based in the UK. And that started as a design role, but it kind of morphed during my time there. And a lot of what I did was organizing events with illustrators and artists. And as part of that, I kind of developed some sort of production skills, getting people on board, negotiation all those kind of bits and pieces. Um, And that kind of just led to some roles in project management for a digital agency, um, relationship management, which kind of just brought me here. So, Well, we're happy to have you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, as you said, you've worked in a sort of, yeah, quite a range of roles. Um, Was this your first role in Australia? No. I worked in a design studio for about a year before I before I moved here. And yeah. what were you doing there? So that was relationship management. So that was oh, yeah. really sort of writing huge proposals for big projects. Managing people's love lives. Yeah, pretty much. Relationship. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So, I mean, I guess we're interested to hear whether there's anything you learnt from those roles um, or, a, or a previous client um, that you still carry with you today as, as a lesson, you know, for you as a producer. Yeah, I guess the main thing I learned is just be nice, which, you know, isn't really anything new. But um, I 
certainly in my first project management role, I was working with a lot of techie guys who were really difficult to manage. Mm. Um, and I tried a couple of different tactics, you know, going to the pub with them, making friends with them or <laughs> shouting at them. <laughs> and the shouting just didn't work. You know, I I could tell that people really thought I was a bit of a, I don't I was kind of like cracking the whip and it did not go down well. So I think the main thing I took away from that was so much better to work out what's going on in someone's life and get your head around what they're feeling and manage them that way. I, I, and you, you're not bringing up the Sophie Ellis Bexter story, though. Which oh, we're, my we're... God. <laughs> no. What is the Sophie Ellis Bexter story? Um, so one of the design jobs I did was um, actually a friend's boyfriend ran a magazine, um, sort of a fashion and music magazine. And I did this. Re- I was working full time and I also designed the whole magazine for him as a as a sort of paid favor very <laughs> badly paid favor um, and there was one big spread on Sophia Lispector and I sort of sent it all off to print and then we got this call from her publicist and I spelled Bexter wrong oh and it had made it through all these different people it was caught just in time well and I, was I just like, oh, used God. to work for a magazine as well and we once printed the cover artist name wrong and it was literally like huge lettering across the front cover <laughs> and we printed their last name wrong it, oh it's, ha- it's happened to me in really bad ways one of the first hockey teams that i played for they i got the jerseys back after waiting months for it and this happens where people um switch up the t and the s in my surname so instead of saying oh. wartsman it says worst man <laughs> which is really what you want on the back of a jersey um and yes um what do you do outside of work that you think kind of helps make you a better producer and better project manager so I'm currently training for a half marathon and I would say that running has actually made a big impact on how I work. So I've kind of got a good sort of way I work in the mornings at the moment, which I wake up, I have a look at my emails and then I go for a run and that just like half an hour of what running, jogging, whatever, um, kind of it just helps me sort of run through everything in my mind and mull things over, emails that have come in overnight and during the morning. And I kind of just find that when I get to work, it's, it's much less a sort of knee-jerk reaction to like, oh God, I need to answer all these emails right away. And it's just mm. just having that half hour to sort of process everything. And what about all the time at the pub after work? Does that help too? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, that's where the real work gets done. <laughs> and yeah, I think, you know, closing off as well. I mean, yeah, Clara, you made some amazing contributions to the agency. And, I'm, and I think it's from a from an employer perspective, I, I think one, one thing that I'm really glad you did when you initially applied for the job as well. Like you, um, you reached out to me because I said, you know, you need a car to um have this role. And Clara emailed and was like, I, I really want to apply, but I don't have the car. And I said, like, yes, you should definitely do that. And now, you know, now you're here, and you have an amazing driving instructor as well, <laughs> um, that we get to hear about, which is awesome. Shout out to Flavio. What up, Flavio? <laughs> Clara, thank you so much for joining us. It was awesome. Thank you. So, uh, last but very certainly not least, we have Lee, who has joined us on the show before. Welcome back, Lee. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. You have been a part of the Jackie Winter team for how long now? Almost four years. Basically 40. Yeah. So, <laughs> and you're a senior producer here, and we're very happy yeah. to have you on again. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing before this and how and why it led you into a life of production? Oh. Um, I come from a 
pretty long career in marketing, um, about seven years. Uh, I was at Adidas for six of those years. And uh, for one year, I was in Hong Kong doing marketing there as well. Do you get mad when people say Adidas? Yes. Cool. Because Just Run, Run DMC ruined it for everyone. Um, oh, but they, everything. they did push the brand out pretty far. Ma. We digress. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was in Hong Kong for a year and um, that year really changed my mind about what I was doing. Um, marketing over there was pretty crazy. Uh, but from that experience, I actually flipped the script and quit my job in Hong Kong and went to Hawaii for three months because that's what you do. Um, and I was just... That's what I want to do. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jeremy, I love it here. What? Oh, what? <laughs> um, and I was just there um, working with different artists um, who were from uh, Power Hawaii. And yeah, it just made me realise I love working with artists. And um, yeah, along the way, um, when I got back to Australia, uh, a friend pointed me in the direction of Jackie Winter, um, who I was following on Instagram, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't realise that there was such a cool job like this. Yeah, and I think it's... Oh, and thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I think, again, really kind of harking back to all the diverse backgrounds that everyone has. And I think coming from client side was a real attractive proposition, you know, for us in terms of really trying to balance out the different perspectives that we have here as producers. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about kind of empathy and kind of being and putting ourselves into our client's shoes. And I think that's kind of a huge skill that you, you know, have brought to the agency. And I think, yeah, we always talk about kind of being a client. So mm. I think being a like, coming client side and then coming from the client side and then kind of being a producer is a really amazing, you know, trajectory that I think is um, pretty unique here. So, I mean, yeah, you've been on kind of both sides of the fence before. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I mean, again, um, you know, we, we love talking about kind of lessons learned, but also I think we learn so much from when things go wrong. Um, can you talk about maybe, a, I guess, a disaster or mistake that um, yeah. occurred and what you kind of took away from it? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you know, our job, is never the same thing every day. Uh, there's always some weird curveballs thrown your way um, and you don't, certainly do learn from them. Uh, I guess uh, probably in the past year I've taken on a bit of a big job um, involving a very large-scale piece um, that was about two metres in diameter. I won't, won't say what it was, uh, but I... It was my back tattoo. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Learned a lot from that situation. Um <laughs> but I, I guess uh, what my mistake was there was just um, because it was such a different kind of production process. Um, I really learned that assuming things is a is a very terrible thing to do because don't assume because it makes an ass hey. out of you and me. <laughs> you know it. Um, yeah, and I guess with something like that, because there's so many people involved, um, stating the obvious, even if you think um, everyone knows it already, um, is really important because responsibilities can get blurred along the way. Uh, so for this particular project, I just assumed that uh, the client that we were working with um, was handling a very important part of the project. Um, and then we got near to um, the actual shoot date for this uh, project and realised, oh no, um, actually they don't. And um, we were kind of struggling at the end there to try and figure it out. But it all got sorted in the end with open communication um, and it turned out really great. But yeah, learned a lot, a lot from that to just, yeah, point out the obvious, even if you think everyone knows it, because um, you never know what you're going to find out along the way and, and yeah, be able to pick up the pieces and make sure it's all sorted. Totally. And is there anything that you do outside of, you know, your work day, something that you do in your personal life that you think makes you a better producer? 
I mean, I am a dog owner, so... Oh, that just makes you a better person. Yeah, oh, totally. Mm. (laughs) Um, I guess, yeah, for me, um, this job is really... It it blurs personal lines all the time because I I love going to art galleries. um, I I love just seeing, yeah, creative Getting some culture in you. Getting some culture. Yeah, and just seeing, you know, what what is going on out there in the world creatively. Yeah. and just bringing that into the workplace all the time, which is great. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's yeah, having a broad set of interests is key to being a good producer and just a good creative in general. And I think, you know, one of the, uh, I, I really love living vicariously through you, especially when you're able to go through um, to 15 myth films from the film festival oh, in, yes. in two weeks where, yeah. I. It's a... Yeah, August is um, not a social time for me. <laughs> <laughs> but also, yeah, all the artists that you kind of, um, you know, that you know from Pow Wow and, you know, in, the, I guess the more kind of street art scene and things like that really mm. kind of balance things out um, when we're trying to, you know, do more kind of work in that area and kind of has, yeah, really kind of shifted um, the t- kind of work that we're able to access. So, yeah, yeah, no, I think that's been that's been really useful in that regard as well. So thank you so much, Lee, for being such that. a ray of sunshine here Aww. and doing amazing stuff. I look forward to seeing you probably in five minutes when I walk out this door. Same. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Wrapping up as we like to every week, going through the most Melbourne and most New York thing that we've experienced. Um, Bianca, get us started. What's the most New York thing you've seen this week? I am continually dumbfounded by New Yorkers and their willingness to wait in lines. Isn't that more of an English thing? I don't know, but I was in Soho over the weekend and there was a line that spanned over three and a half blocks for some Google Home pop-up. And from what I could see, it looked like they were just giving away donuts. And I don't know, that's like a long... We bought a Google Home. Well, maybe they were giving away... I mean, they must have been giving away Google Homes because like... It's so useless and I love it. I can't stop talking to her. (laughs) So you would would be the kind of person that would wait in line for like... Oh, God, no. My housemate is. My housemate is. And now I ask Google, I get up in the morning and I say... Okay, Google, what's the weather today? And then she tells me, and then I say, Okay, Google, what sound does a whale make? And uh, it's really, it's useful. Jeremy, what about you? This is something that, again, came up through my Slack. I haven't yet seen this in person, but this is a very Melbourne thing. Um, The headline of this article is, Meet Mr. Walker, the bestest boy to ever be hired by a Melbourne Melbourne hotel. Yes, this is the best. (laughs) Phenomenal collaboration between um, Guide Dogs of Australia and the uh, Melbourne Park Hyatt Hotel, um, where, yes, they they have hired a very lovely um, Labrador retriever um, who is greeting guests at the door um, and, yeah, just providing companionship and also... um, yeah, just raising awareness um, for Guide Dogs of Australia. So good on you, everyone involved in that, and good on you, Melbourne, for being very pet friendly. Even with the whole new, um, you know, having, you know, allowing pets in for all rentals, like a new yes, um, yes, the new laws. Which I, I mean, that's the real news. These are the real issues. Exactly. I'm well, very excited. Very true. Um, and Lara, for you, speaking of laws, what do you got? I mean, yeah, it's not something that happened to me, but I just think one of the most gloriously Melbourne things. Um, has been the response to uh, ugh, stupid. There was vote no sky riding uh, in in the sky yesterday in relation to our um, uh, same sex marriage plebiscite. Um, if you're not here in Australia, um, there's been a postal vote on whether same sex marriage should be legal, and uh, someone put vote no in the sky, and it was gross and depressing and. Melbourne had the most wonderful digital reaction to it. You know, there were so many great memes, great jokes, just tearing it 
down. Jeremy, did you have a favorite? I think my favorite one was the um, the Kylie one. Can you? Uh, can... Yeah, someone had taken a photo of it upside down, um, so it said on, and then underneath they'd written a night like this, and it was like Kylie's best song, or like that was my favorite jam. And there, there was some really, really, really good memes. Yeah, um, trying to make it just... light heart of a bad situation. Yeah, just taking the piss out of it, which I think is the most Australian response to anything in the world. Mm, I think, look, on that note, we will end it. Thank you, Bianca. Thank you. Thank you, Lara. Hey, thanks. This has been Jackie Winter Gives You the Business. Jackie Winter Gives You the Business is a weekly podcast about creative project management and production and just making things happen in general. Our producer is Areej Noor. You can find the Jackie Winter Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. at Jackie Winter. That's Jackie with a Y and Winter like the season. And yes, we really kindly ask you email us with any recommendations, um, especially for um, upcoming interview um, guests. Any other feedback, questions, comments, anything, please don't be shy. Email us at podcast at JackieWinter.com. Archives of all of our shows and show notes can be found at JackieWinter.GivesYouThe.Biz. And you can sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the show notes and notification of our episode dropping every Friday at tinyletter.com slash JackieWinter. Our theme music is by Melbourne-based musician Jackie Winter. You can check out his stuff on soundcloud.com slash Jackie Winter. If you love what you hear, you can really help us out. Subscribe on iTunes, rate, and give us a comment as well. Details are on our website, JackieWinter.GivesYouThe.Biz. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Bye-bye. 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 But it's just in the wind.